0: This podcast is sponsored by Mental Health Declassified. MHD is a nonprofit organization that aims to create safe spaces within communities to break the stigma surrounding mental health and wellness. With the intent to recognize and highlight the connection between real-life experiences and mental health through storytelling, they are advocating to bridge the gap between communities and accessible resources. Check out the link in my episode notes to learn more about Mental Health Declassified. Hey, welcome to The Revolutionized Mind, a platform about all things mental health. I'm your host, Angelica Galuzzo, and on this show, we use real stories and eye-opening conversations to make you feel less alone and a little more optimistic about what's ahead of you. Come on a journey with me. Bring your most authentic self and let's revolutionize the mind. Reforming society, repairing your mentality, restoring your life. This is The Revolutionized Mind. Hi everybody, happy Friday. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of The Revolutionized Mind. I feel like May has just been such a fucking busy month for everyone. Like everyone I've spoken to has said something about how they're so busy and overwhelmed and they're so tired and just ready for summer and I feel like that's just the general consensus right now. I'm definitely feeling that way. The last month and a bit have just been so hectic and I've been posting a lot online about how up and down my mental health has been as a result of this so... If you're also feeling this way, you're definitely not alone. There's a lot of us in the same boat, all just trying to make it through this busy time of the year and eagerly anticipate the warmer weather. And I literally had a nightmare last night that I was delivering my first Safe Talk workshop, which I've also posted online. I'm going to put the registration link in the episode notes here as well. If you're interested in completing your Safe Talk certification or you've already done it and you know some people who might benefit from it, please, please, please share the registration link with them as I'm super excited to share this knowledge and education with others. But back to the nightmare, I literally woke up freaking out because in the dream I was delivering the workshop, but I had forgotten all my materials. I didn't do any prep and I had no idea what I was doing and it was not a good workshop. So, I think that just shows how much that whole planning process has been on my mind, and it's creeping into my sleep. So I'm overwhelmed, I'm stressed, I'm tired, but I'm so grateful for this platform that allows me to show up as my true self and not try to hide it and pretend like everything's okay all the time. I'm literally lying down in bed right now recording this, so that should tell you something about how I'm feeling. Anyway, let's get to the episode. I absolutely love this conversation to be honest, I didn't know yoga therapy was a thing. I know yoga, I know therapy. I know some people like do yoga for therapeutic reasons, but like an actual yoga therapist exists and they can work with you one-on-one to ensure that you're getting the most out of the practice in whatever way makes the most sense to you. And just the way Amy explained everything and the way she approached the conversation was so relatable for me. And I just think this is such an awesome resource for people who might be exploring different methods of healing and who are open to trying new, quote unquote, alternative things. So I hope you also love this conversation and are able to take some things away to think about. And Amy's socials and links are in the episode notes. So if you want to learn more, definitely be sure to check her out. As always, thank you so much for spending your time with me and I hope you enjoy. Amy Huffman is a yoga therapist and health coach who helps high achievers, entrepreneurs and competitors develop mental strength to heal holistically, manage their anxiety and optimize overall health and performance. She is passionate about using yoga as therapy to help people be powerful so that they can do powerful things in the world. I love that, Amy. It is so nice to be here with you today. How are you doing?
1: I am wonderful. Thank you for that intro, Angelica. I'm really, really excited about our conversation today. Of
0: course. I'm so excited to learn more about this topic. Yoga is something that I've kind of fallen into over the years, something that I hated many years ago because it was so hard for me to be still. And I'm sure you can relate coming from like a high athletic, high
1: achieving background, like being slow was
0: such a hard thing for me to grasp.
1: Totally. I can absolutely relate. And that was my first experience of yoga as well. I was really drawn initially to the physical aspect of it and the physicality and moving fast in these heated classes. And on one hand, I really connected with it. And on another, we would get to the end and sit in stillness and it just felt very, very uncomfortable. Um but there was something that kept bringing me back over and over again. Like I had tapped into this little secret that I wanted to know more about. And over the years, the practice for me, it just developed so, so greatly. And when I started to explore different types and kinds of yoga, in addition to like my nervous system, building a stronger capacity to be with stillness and, and silence, um, An even deeper richness unfolded. And that's really what led me to yoga therapy and um, getting essentially what is like a master's in yoga um, to be a yoga therapist and um, learning these practices and techniques that really transcended what I first knew of yoga in the beginning of it being in a studio and having more of like a fitness and and physical um, component into this methodology and this technology for my life and all aspects of my life and, and healing and growth in ways that um, I didn't know were possible, so I connected with it so deeply and decided to devote my my life and my work to it, and helping others use the practice and get deeper into the practice to to explore their own healing and growth to be these powerful, whole individuals that um, is our innate our innate human nature.
0: Incredible. I love it. And I am so excited to learn more. <laughs> um, but before we dive into the yoga stuff, I want to backtrack a little bit because I know you had some experience with anxiety and panic as you were going through your collegiate career. So if you want to give a bit of a background on that and explain
1: how those experiences really led you into what
0: you're doing today.
1: hmm. So I think for any of the athletes or competitors, Listening can probably resonate with this, but starting to play competitive sports at a very, very young age, you learn to push yourself physically and mentally. And on one hand, I think it led to a a healthy relationship with pain and discomfort, right? Of like being able to push through, you know, the final leg of a sprint or just get to the finish line. But on the other hand, that boundary of like, well, what is too much became really blurry. And so while I was developing the mental capacity to, like, focus and channel self-talk and, like, get to that highest threshold, which was being a scholarship athlete at the highest level, um, I was ignoring a lot of cues and signals from my body that, like, hey, you're, you're not a machine and you're pushing yourself to extremes. And uh, unfortunately, unfortunately, you know, that kind of came to a head my second year of being an athlete at the university of Iowa, when I had my first panic attack and, um, very stressful time of life. I mean, just that age in general is a, a awkward time, I feel like. And, um, you're shifting into adulthood and then also you're, you're being asked to perform and to play and go to school and learn about yourself and what you want to do in the world. So. You know, there were a lot of reasons looking back on it as to why this happened. Um, But at the time, I had my first panic attack, and it was this inexplicable phenomenon that was, I was sure I was dying. And, you know, you go to the emergency room, and your blood pressure is in stroke range, and it is just like, I did not know my body had the capacity to um, raise the flag of awareness so strongly Um, so anxiety for me and panic attacks became a norm after that. Um, but I also started to practice yoga around that same time. I had the introduction of a a yoga class in college. And so it was really like divine, divine timing. Um, but it, it manifested a lot for me, anxiety anyways, of, of pushing myself and of my body starting to, to, to push back a little bit in the sense of like heart racing, uh, feelings of, of someone sitting on the chest, the throat tightening, um, body temperature dropping, being in the middle of class and feeling like a a surge of energy that, um, was just so foreign as if my body was turning against me. And I had never experienced that because as being an athlete, you know, we, I think that typically we connect with our bodies in, in, in very strong ways because we are using them and there is that natural mind body connection. So, I I am grateful that yoga presented itself in my life when it did. Um, You know, I chose personally not to take medication for my anxiety because I also didn't like the way that it it made me feel. And I felt like I had tapped into a a resource with with yoga and specifically meditation that was allowing me to um, get to know my anxiety and get to know panic in a way that was a little more um, benevolent. So I'm grateful for the experience of being an athlete. Um, I think that it it led me to where I'm at. And um, I have such a a deeper respect, I think, for the body and uh, for the nervous system. And that's really where I've shifted into a niche of um, using yoga or nervous system regulation um, or exploration is a phrase I like to use, so that we can really work with mental health and well-being, um, not solely from like a cognitive thinking top-down, but from a bottom-up approach of like using the body, using the breath to be able to um, explore these sometimes less than ideal experiences of anxiety or depression, um, or any other mental health condition or challenge that that we're going through on the the wide scale and spectrum um, that it can be.
0: Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. I find it so funny how all athletes start their stories of whatever it is by saying that, like, you know, we learn all these things in sport about how to push yourself mentally, physically, and it's such like a strong skill that we learn to develop. But I like how you said, like, it is such a blurry fine line because, it gets to a point where it does actually impact your life outside of sport like Mm -hmm. it did with you. And I feel like obviously you and I, we love sports. It was part of our whole lives. I feel like sport gave me everything I needed to know about life, but it does come to a point when you're like, okay, is this too much? How do I like calm myself down and really see it for what it is rather than it being like everything and the only thing. So I'm sorry you did have to go through that, but divine timing is truly real. I love that you had yoga class at that exact same time. (laughs) Um, And that doesn't take away, I'm sure, from what you were going through. I'm sure it was still really, really tough trying to balance everything that you had going on in your life. But I'm so happy yoga presented itself to you when it did. Mm. And so you've used the term like yoga as therapy. And I'm so intrigued to hear how you would define this. Because obviously people know yoga, they know therapy, and they know it's good for you, but like for you to say yoga as therapy, what do you really mean when you say that?
1: Mm -hmm. So I like to think of yoga therapy as this intersection between physical therapy, psychotherapy, and life coaching. So with yoga therapy specifically, and when you're working with the yoga therapist, there is an intake process, there's an assessment. So we're doing a, a posture assessment, a breath assessment to see um, how the nervous system is presenting itself and getting an idea of imbalances, not just what you are saying cognitively you are aware of in your body, but from an outsider looking in, what can I see from a physical, um, energetic perspective, which I don't think that I have not had the experience with physical therapy or, or psychotherapy and receiving that really like holistic lens into where are there, um, not, not issues in the body, but, but where are there imbalances and where can we work to balance out? So yoga therapy is, um, it is different than just going to a yoga class. Um, because in a yoga class, you can't get the one-on-one individual support. So in yoga therapy, there really is a one-on-one or small group um, component in which you are helping an individual move towards a specific goal or um, healing um, or someone who's moving through a, a disease on the physical or mental emotional layer. And what does that look like
0: initially? Like, do people come in for an assessment and then do you walk them through like a typical yoga class or do you send them away with exercises? How does like the flow of that work?
1: Yes, great question. So, typically, when I work with someone and when a yoga therapist um, works with someone, there is um, an intake process of filling out uh, and really a lifestyle assessment, um, wanting to know all of the things from like how are you sleeping, what movement is in your life, what is your stress levels, are there any particular areas of focus, whether it be mental health um, or physical health, what big life moments have, have been going on life happenings have been going on in your world. Um, and then meeting together in person or virtually. Um, most of my, my sessions now are, are done as a telehealth session. Um, having an interview, like a conversation, and and really getting to know someone and where they're at, not just diving into like, okay, now we're going to do a physical practice. Because I want to understand where there is an imbalance within an individual. Like what is the first avenue in Um, So yoga therapy uses the Eastern approach to human anatomy, which is a five-layer approach to the human body. So there's the physical layer, the energetic layer, the mental mind layer, the wisdom or intuitive layer, and the bliss layer. And so as a yoga therapist, we're trained to look through this five-layered lens at an individual and say, okay, based on movement, based on their language... Um, where might they be presenting with the, the most obvious imbalance within the body, whether it be um, in the mind, someone presenting with uh, anxiety or really struggling to digest and experience? And so we might go into that layer, that pathway. Or maybe it is more of a physical layer, like someone is having intense back pain or neck pain, and we want to go in through that avenue. So based on the information that I'm receiving through that initial intake and assessment, then I will kind of choose from my tool belt of the the yogic postures and breathing techniques and um, philosophy and wisdom as to which practices I'm offering to a client. And then we'll do those practices together in in the space of the yoga therapy session. And then it really is collaborative. Like, what, what did you like about that? What felt different? What felt uncomfortable? And so it's curating the exact techniques and postures and and exercises, if you will, for the individual to move them towards a place of balance. And then you receive your yoga practice. um, And then we check in every week or every two weeks. and, And we adjust based on how your system heals and comes into balance. Another imbalance might arise. And so we shift perhaps from If someone is coming in with panic and anxiety, we might start with gentle movement to calm the nervous system. And then we add in some some meditation, some guided meditation to start to shift things on the more mental state. Um, But like you alluded to earlier, and that's the beauty of working one-on-one with someone in in a yoga therapy session is, um, I'm not gonna ask someone who is feeling hyper aroused or agitated to be still. Um, I I know they'll crawl out of their skin. So it's meeting the person where they're at on what I'm receiving from the intake and from what I can see in their body and sense from that energetic layer. And then, you know, using my skills as as the yoga therapist to, to help them and give them those specific techniques.
0: That is so interesting. And I feel like is like such a good definition of what a holistic approach really means. And just another off book question, because I'm curious, but is there any kind of insurance that can go towards yoga therapy? I know you have a master's in yoga therapy, but like typically you have to have a designation of like social worker psychotherapy. So Mm -hmm. what does it look like on that logistical side?
1: Not yet. So yoga therapy is is not yet a licensed form of therapy like occupational therapy or physical therapy or psychotherapy um but it's getting close so getting into those stages of um you know creating the licensing test and um those conversations with with insurance happening and so i think that we're in an interesting time where the healthcare system is so stressed and strained from you know physical chronic illnesses and disease to mental health, as as you know. And um, I think that people are more open to what previously would be considered totally alternative um, types of medicine that just like, you know, we're not going there. Um, But the conversation is is broadened. And so I I do feel strongly that it will be licensed, uh, hopefully, in the next few years.
0: Awesome. Yeah. I was just curious how that looked like. And it's true that so many more people are turning towards these like Eastern philosophies because I think more people are recognizing the value of it, especially as more research comes out. And on that note, so you mentioned like the five layer approach that a lot of these Eastern philosophies take. So I'm also curious what comes out of yoga therapy that one wouldn't typically get from traditional talk therapy.
1: Mm hmm. I think for for me personally, um, talk therapy just wasn't enough in the sense of I felt and I feel like yoga and yoga therapy offers the next step of integration that sometimes I've experienced talk therapy falls a little short of like how do I actually implement this into my life in like a tangible way. Um, and, And being an athlete and more of an introvert, Going into talk therapy initially just felt so foreign. It was asking me to be in my head. And for most of us, we're already in our heads so much. And so it was being asked to speak about my experience, specifically anxiety and um, panic in my body that was manifesting as as visceral experiences. And, And it was just difficult for me. And so being able to move my body in an embodied way allowed me to move energy to then be able to access higher states of, of cognition to then be able to like actually speak to what I was experiencing. Um, and so it just felt more natural for me to explore healing through body postures, through breathing techniques, even through guided meditation where, um, You know, I'm being asked to explore maybe a particular experience or a memory or a visual, but I'm not diving into the history of it. I'm staying in the present with, okay, well, how does that feel in your body when you think about that first moment of anxiety for you or um, this really upsetting experience that just happened that's really throwing you out of whack? What physical sensations are you feeling right now? Is there heat in the body? Is your stomach turning into a knot? Okay, now can you breathe into that? Can we move through that? And so that bottom-up approach just felt much more natural for me that, that then I could take that practice that I did in session out into my everyday life. So now when I feel a knot in my stomach or I feel my chest tightening, I can come back to a practice that I've done before with my therapist, with my yoga therapist, um, and I have a, a more tangible tool. Whereas I think with psychotherapy, you know, you're asked to to think through it, to move through it more from that that top down approach, and um, just for me personally, that didn't uh, move me in the direction that I I wanted to go, if that resonates.
0: Mm-hmm. I think that example you gave perfectly helps to explain that because a lot of times with trauma, people don't want to go back and talk about it, and you kind of live through it. Whereas if you focus on the physical sensations, you're not necessarily thinking about that horrible time Mm -hmm. or whatever happened to you in the past, you're kind of just in the moment. And I like how you said that you can like recognize what's going on in your body now as a result of what happened to kind of move forward in a productive way, whatever that looks like for you. And I think like just an important thing to know as always is it's so contextual, like maybe a yoga therapy would be so helpful for somebody working through one situation in their life, but another thing they absolutely need to talk through. Absolutely. So I think it's just like another tool to make people aware of that they can kind of wiggle through whatever works best for them in whatever state that they're in.
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's a beautiful point Um, because at certain seasons of life, right? Like having a top-down approach and talking through something can be much more valuable than in another season where movement and breath or guided meditation can be more valuable. Um, I think I love as well yoga and yoga therapy and in any modality um, that is perhaps alternative to, to psychotherapy that does sometimes have a tendency to lean into past is that, um, and this is really at the heart of, of yoga and mindfulness is, is the present, coming back to the present and what is working for us in our lives here and now. And so there's just so much more that we can work with in the present. And so um, yoga therapy being a tool that can guide you into present moment experience and and retrain the brain and the mind to come back to present, um, I have found to be just very, very powerful in thinking of not only my own mental health, but how I interact with others and the quality of my relationships and people around me and just how I move through the world, really. Such a simple concept,
0: but so hard to get there. (laughs) Just being in the present, it it feels like it should be so natural, but it is so freaking hard.
1: (laughs) It is. It's so freaking hard. And I think like remembering that, you know, we live in a culture that is not conducive to, to present moment experience. You know, there's thousands of things vying for our attention at all time. And so it really does take practice and discipline, like coming from that athlete mentality or competitor athlete, you know, you practice repetitively to get where you want to be from a skill level and an accomplishment level. And not that, you know, you're we're practicing yoga meditation to like be the best meditator. Um, but when you can start to feel how it shows up in your life, when you can start to feel the efforts, if you will, of starting a meditation practice or exploring yoga, um, you can really feel the quality of your life change. The same way you know you can start to feel yourself grow as an athlete and play at a different level. Um, it's just so rewarding and and rich, and it helps you feel, at least for me, like I'm not being I'm not being led through life. Like I'm not being fed um, the different ads, and I'm not susceptible to like all the dangling carrots. But I just have more of a power of like where I place my attention and my thoughts. And, and my emotions. And so that level of like being able to respond more instead of react from a, from a present centered awareness place um, is really what keeps me coming back to the practice. But also the paradox is like, you know, you, you have to practice and just that openness to want to start to practice and bring in discipline to it is, is I think something that can, can feel sticky for people at first.
0: And that's where our athlete mentalities can really come into practice.
1: We're, exactly. we're so good at this we'll stuff. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and on that note, so I know you work with high achievers, and we've been talking about like former athletes who kind of have that mindset, but... Have you found or has research demonstrated that there's a specific type of person or groups of people? And what I'm talking about is like, maybe there's a chronic illness or a type of mental health concern, these types of
1: people that can really, really benefit from using yoga as therapy. Mm -hmm. The research is growing. And that's really the the beautiful, exciting thing about yoga therapy and mindfulness is because it, it can be very subjective, right? So it can be hard to really Gather empirical research around how this is moving people forward, um, but with the imaging and the brain scans and the techniques that are that are now available, and just the level of interest out there on how this is impacting different illnesses and diseases is so exciting. Um, really, it's the, the studies out there from you know for for me personally, I have an interest in, in competitors and entrepreneurs, um, anxiety. So the level of support there and the research is, is pretty deep um, as well as PTSD. So using yoga and specifically a form of a guided meditation called yoga Nidra for PTSD and veterans. Um, I rest is, is what it's called specifically developed by um, Richard Miller. And uh, that's been, you know, over the last decade or so, just blooming, Um, with different practitioners who are specializing in in IRS for PTSD. Um, Chronic illness, you know, from chronic fatigue to fibromyalgia, um, anything that kind of falls under that bucket using restorative yoga. Um, There's some really great research coming out on how um, this supports rest and stillness is not only beneficial for the nervous system, but it actually changes the levels of inflammation in the body um, and can reset, and people who have, you know, and, and what we know of, if someone is experiencing one chronic illness, chances are they're experiencing something else. How restorative yoga is shifting that for for people is just profound. Um, I think there's really not a specific niche or group of people that yoga cannot help. I would be curious to know if it's out there because it is so adaptable. You don't have to even move your body to practice yoga. Um, Yoga, meaning to join or to yoke the mind and the body. So you can be sitting and breathing in present moment awareness, and that's yoga. And so, you know, whether it be anxiety um, or depression, PTSD, um, chronic illnesses, back pain, so many great studies and research coming out on, you know, on yoga for chronic pain itself physically. So it's, it's so adaptable and, and, um, diverse and really applicable for all. Mm -hmm.
0: And that's truthfully my
1: favorite thing about yoga
0: is that it is so flexible. And even if I'm, I love yoga with Adrian, she is my favorite person on the internet, but even just like, while I'm doing a little home workout video, if she's doing a movement that just doesn't feel right for me in that movement, you can just do something else And obviously nobody's there to watch you and like shake their finger at you, but just that flexibility in your own movement and how reassuring every yoga teacher is out there just saying that, like, do whatever feels right for you in this moment. And I think that is like what drew me to it right away is that if somebody's sitting in child's pose and I don't want to do that, then I'm okay to do whatever I want. And I just... I think that's my favorite thing about yoga.
1: <laughs> mm, yes, that choice is so powerful. I can remember having that experience too of like, oh, actually, I, I don't want to do this. Or my body is saying that it doesn't want to sit in this pose. Or I don't want to keep flowing and moving my body. I want to I lay on my back and put my legs up. And so I'm going to do that. And I think it, that can feel foreign for people at first because it is rare that I think we are Given that choice in certain situations. And so it's like a reclaiming of the power that you can practice on your mat and then become so applicable when you go out in the world and you practice like healthy boundary setting um, or just making wiser choices for yourself. Um, there's a remembering of the body of, of when you did that, you know, yesterday on your mat. And it might sound simplistic, but it really is like, you know, you practice what you want to bring into your world. Um, on the mat, and so as a yoga therapist, and learning to um, hear what people are, are asking for, and then giving them that, so that they can practice while we're together in session, and then go and take it out into the world, because that's really where it matters. Um, you know, not the formal practice itself, but like how are you using it as a tool into your life, and so that choice is uh, is a big one.
0: Absolutely, it is so subjective, and that's the beauty of it, and. So shifting gears a little bit to the nervous system, because I know that's a big part of what you do, Mm -hmm. and the nervous system is everything in our lives, Um, but specifically some of the things you've brought up today are anxiety and PTSD or trauma-related things, and I think those are two things that really do affect the nervous system. So when using yoga therapy, what's like the hardest part about trying to build that nervous system safety and promote greater emotional stability?
1: Mm Mm-hmm. I think it's the leaning in and like that surrender piece of, of what you're experiencing in the moment. And so being able to almost remove the ego component of it, of, um, you know, I, I am having a panic attack right now, um, to I am experiencing anxiety and it's showing up as my heart racing and my throat is feeling tight and I recognize that my system is really aroused. And agitated, and so being able to start to get comfortable and ease into that, where um, you know my, my my teacher and therapist will always say, you have two choices: you can either relax into the anxiety and relax into what you're experiencing, or you can continue to perpetuate, you know, the sensations that are happening in your body. Um, and not that I'm asking anyone to like, you know, all of a sudden jump into this big feeling that is uncomfortable, um, whether it be a trauma response or a stress response, but widening your perspective and being curious about like, what if I do dip my toes into this and I I just sit with what I feel like is a full blown panic attack about to happen and use the tools that I have and maybe breathe through it, um, or co-regulate with someone, make eye contact, call someone who has a soothing voice, um, and so that, that actual process of widening your window of tolerance, of that capacity to experience uncomfortable or challenging, stressful situations, it is uncomfortable, but it is so necessary if we want to build our capacity for, for life, <laughs> to continue to handle hard, difficult things, um, and to build safety within ourselves, to feel safe in your body, um, to switch the narrative from something inexplicable is happening and I feel disconnected from my body and what it's doing right now to, okay, uh, what is my body trying to tell me right now and can I be kind and compassionate and wise with myself here knowing that, okay, I'm, I'm, not, uh, I'm not dying um, I'm feeling really agitated right now. Or on the flip side, you know, I'm feeling really heavy, really lethargic, really depressed right now. What is one tool that I can do to to just start to shift things a little bit? And and I think that's often the trickiest and the most difficult, right? Of like taking the first step into the process of, of widening and getting familiar with the various states of your nervous system from really a body perspective and not like a thinking cognitive perspective.
0: Yeah, I think the safety piece is so huge, especially with anxiety and Mm -hmm. trauma, because you learn to distrust your body and shy away from it. And anytime you've had those things, maybe like a bad experience happened to you. So you you associate those really horrible things with like either a fight or flight moment, whatever you choose to respond in. Um, But coming back to yourself and really learning to work with your nervous system to build it back up is hard. It's where you need to get But it's not an easy thing to do, especially at the beginning if you've just experienced something really tough and
1: overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And that's also the beauty of working with you know, an expert and a therapist so that they can be there to, um, to really guide you back into safety and so that they can, I think, specifically for yoga therapy, Guide you back into the present moment, back into your body. Okay, what is happening and true? Like you are safe here in your environment. Um, let your body receive cues from the outside in sometimes. It can be really, can be really necessary.
0: Mm-hmm. And from your perspective as the yoga therapist, what is the hardest part of trying to guide your patients back to the nervous system, especially when you're dealing with some of these like really complex issues? Um, in relation to mental health and overall well being, like what does that look like for you?
1: Hmm. I think it is guiding people into the body, into that, and in through that physical layer, um, through the physical layer, into the energy layer. A lot of times I think that we want to think ourselves out of something or we want to think ourselves into feeling better or to um, moving through that experience that we had and, and, and processing it and digesting it. Um, but that might not be the most effective way in. And so when, when working at the nervous system, like truly taking a, a bottom up approach. And, you know, if someone is presenting with agitation in the body and I can feel that based on their movements, based on the expression of their face and their eyes, even the tone of voice, being able to, you know, say, let's just do a little bit of, of movement, you know, let's just kind of move that that energy through the body. Um, and then let's circle back to maybe why you're here or what you're wanting to get out of this session and so I think there is a certain like reining people back a little bit uh, you know like physically literally like into their body um and encouraging them to continue to be compassionate with themselves and trust that you know the body is working for them and that can be that can be difficult for for many people in the beginning but usually there is that that glimpse or that soothing that happens that the door opens. And once the door is open, you know, I like to say that it's it's always open. And so you just continue to go into the practice and to open yourself up. And it's really a a beautiful thing to watch people befriend their nervous system and to um, recognize their capacity and power that they are inherently whole and, and moving towards healing at all times. And the mind is just one component, but it is possible to to train the mind and the mind doesn't have to lead the reins. They are ultimately just their beingness is in the driver's seat. And that's where a little bit of the, the yogic wisdom comes into play. And there is a spirituality component to it. it doesn't have to be, uh, but I think that inadvertently, it's also a reason why I think people turn to yoga therapy, um, you know, it's, it's often they've probably tried all of the things prior, but there is this like hunger and yearning for things to be and feel different in their lives. And, and I think of that as like this spiritual hunger for like something bigger. You know, they, they just want to um, make a shift. And so sometimes there could be a desperation there. Um, and then when you guide people into the body and you bring them back. Um, I think that spiritual component starts to unfold in a way that people really resonate with.
0: Yeah, I absolutely think that there's a spiritual component to it. And I love it, but I understand how that could like turn some people away. And I Mm -hmm. think that's Mm -hmm. where a lot of that like skepticism starts with people is that they they aren't looking for any kind of spiritual thing and they think it's too outwardly for them. Um, So on that note, like how would you actually respond to anyone who is scared about using yoga as a healing tool? And what about yoga and meditation would you like to demystify?
1: You know, I say that yoga is a technology for living a better life, and it's a technology that's been around for over 5,000 years and has stood the test of time, and it has evolved greatly just as modern society has evolved, Um, but it really is non-secular in the way that it is a technology methodology and there's different tools. And so you learn how to use the tools and you learn how to use the technology so that it can benefit you and move you toward your your life goals and your purpose. And so while it can be spiritual, um, if that's where you feel like you want to go with it, but it doesn't have to be. Um, you know, when you're thinking of movement and breath and, and meditation, meditation, these are all tangible tools that you can you can use. And so I think just demystifying it in the sense that it is a, a woo-woo practice and it requires you to chant or to tap into a higher purpose that is God or purusha or whatever it might be, um, it's not necessary. It can be, um, but at the heart of it, it is connecting your mind to your body, yoga, to yoke, to join. Um, and so there's, you know, there's aspects of yoga that can be religious. Um, But I do really think of it as as that technology. And I think that helps people start to shift their perspective of like, um, I'm doing brain training. Meditation can be brain training. It can be mental training. The asana and physical postures are just that, they're they're movements. They can be stretching while you are intentionally breathing. Um, And so it, it really is an experimental and experiential experience. And so oftentimes if people can just widen their their perspective and be curious and experience it. I think then they really do see that okay, this is a tool and a technology. Um, other things for for demystification aside from you know the woo or that it is a spiritual aspect or is going to ask me to devote or do a prayer to a deity. Um, I think that there is a, an over emphasis on the physical aspect. You know, in the West, we've like turned it into. This fitness modality that you do in a room that is heated with loud music and it just keeps getting a little more intense. <laughs> and uh, it is so much more than that. Going back to the technology piece, of it can be, and oftentimes the most powerful form of yoga is being able to learn and sit in stillness and quiet um, so that you can take some of that quiet out into your world and be able to, whether it's soothing your nervous system Or it's quieting the circus of your mind, or learning to be a little more present with your family or your work, or just showing up in your life in a a stronger way, or feeling a little more uplifted in your day to day. Um, It is so applicable and adaptable and flexible. So I hope that's helpful for anyone feeling a little like, I don't know about this yoga thing. (laughs) Finding the
0: right teacher is important too. Yeah. It's funny that that was your second point. So I was going to say after the first one that it's really all about the mentality you go into the practice with. So sometimes, like, if I'm not in the mood to really dive into that spiritual aspect or be still and I'm just doing it for a workout, I will tell myself, like, I'm doing this to move my body to be very physical, to like feel really good after. Mm. But if I am trying to like wind down and I want to be still and connect with myself, I'll kind of like reframe my thoughts around it to be like, I am connecting to myself doing all the things. Um, So it's funny that you kind of went both directions. And I think even building that mindset around it is a discipline. It's a practice to learn what works for you, when it works for you. Mm -hmm. Um, And it really can just be, again, whatever you want it to be. It is so flexible and adaptable, which I feel like can kind of teeter you on whatever direction you're on, whether you are in for the spiritual aspect or more the physical. There's so many ways to make it beneficial.
1: Such a great point. Like, what is what is your intention? And that's something that you will, you know, learn and develop and practice. Is that intention setting not in not in like a you know when you experience in the beginning of a yoga class? Like, you know, is there a word or an intention that is very very powerful? But learning to really set it in multiple ways of your life. Like, what is my intention with this activity right now? Um, because that requires some introspection. Like, well, what do I need right now? Um, what's going to help me feel balanced? Maybe it's to move my body, and I do want to sweat a little bit and, and get some heat and some fire. Awesome. Um, maybe it is that it's been a long day and I'm feeling quite drained or off or on edge. And actually I, I just need to like put my feet up and and breathe. You know, I think the intention piece is so important with, with anything that we, we do in our lives. Um, but it's easy to go on autopilot. And so, uh, that's, you know, beauty of the, the practice and being so flexible is like, um, well, what is your intention here? And then you can you know, choose from this menu of poses and shapes and types of practices that's going to best serve you.
0: Mm-hmm. Intention is my word of the year, mm, you but you can even practice that introspection, like doing your Google search, if you're doing it at home, think about like, okay, do I want to search yoga for full body strength? Or do I want to search yoga for winding down at the end of the day? Like exactly. you can really take that time to pick the video or the practice that is going to work best for you and play around with it. Like sometimes my legs are craving a workout. So I'll be like yoga for leg strength. And you can just really make it your own again by choosing the practice that is going to best serve you in that moment.
1: Mm, 100%. Amazing.
0: Um, So working our way back into your past self who was heavily struggling with panic disorder, if you could give her one piece of advice, what would it be?
1: Hmm. I think it would be to surrender, to surrender into the trust that things are moving in the right direction. To surrender in to what the system as a whole was was trying to tell me, and that was to rest, <laughs> 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 to rest, and to take some time for self. Um, I think there is this balance of opposites between like surrendering and Grace and compassion and like this will that we learn as athletes of like effort and movement and even in our society of like achieve and go higher and, and do better um, so pairing you know this effort and discipline when it comes back to like your own practice and working with the yoga therapist or, or experiencing yoga of like having the the will to try something new and to explore and then being able to to surrender into Whatever you might be experiencing, whether it be the the mental health issue or challenge or a physical ailment or just a dis-ease in the mind. And I'm not trying to think myself out of it, not trying to think that I need to solve it or um, to do better with it um, or fix it. But in that process of surrendering, you know, there's so much insight and wisdom that you learn. And then you get to use that insight and wisdom the next time it happens, and it changes your experience with it a little bit. And that's slowly how my relationship with anxiety and and panic attacks shifted, um, was it just reached a point where when I start to feel anxious and and, and panicked and like I can't breathe, um, rather than immediately feeling like hyperactivated and wanting to stop it, there's that surrendering of like, okay, you can sit with this. Breathe with it and use your practices. So, I think that surrender piece. What I would tell my my twenty year old self.
0: I love that. And one final question is: Can you give us one do and one don't for someone who's aspiring to regain mental strength, confidence, and that overall holistic power that you do in your everyday work?
1: Mm. So, the one do is that openness. That openness to experience and try new things. Um, the openness to, to remember that, that maybe you don't have the answer. And so it's wise to, to seek out from, from someone else, whether it be a therapist or a coach or a trainer and being willing to explore different modalities. Um, I think the one don't with that is it's not black and white. Healing is not black and white. Um, growth is not black and white. Um, getting to where you want to be and experience life is not black and white. And so, if you can remain open without needing to to force anything, then there is this like yes and mentality that comes into play. Um, And I I found for me personally, and in working with with individuals, um, entrepreneurs, and competitors specifically, is life becomes less dramatic and stressful and more um, light and, and rich, and the opportunity and possibility. Is is greater than the hardship and the struggle. That's such a great lesson that I feel like <laughs> it takes
0: those like extreme lows to really understand. It does, um, but that's so true. Just open mindedness can lead you to so many great opportunities, learning experiences, connect you to new people, and it just starts with that mindset of telling yourself like you are open to trying new things, exploring new avenues of healing. And I truly think that this yoga therapy concept is going to continue to flourish as more research comes out, as maybe government and things get on the legislation and mm-hmm, licensure. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've just learned so much from you today, and I think we can relate on a lot of those like initial experiences with yoga, especially coming from that high athlete background. So it's validating to hear that I was not the only one who struggled, but that we've kind of like found our place into this stillness and reconnecting with the body in a meaningful way, I think mm-hmm. is so powerful. Um, so Amy, thank you so, so much for this conversation today. I'm going to put your free resource link and your website in the episode notes so anybody can check that out. Um, but yeah, I just, I'm so grateful. I learned so much and thank you for being here.
1: Oh, thank you so much. I do feel like it was divine timing that we we came together. And so for anyone who's interested in what that five-layered approach might be. Um, the free resource is a, a short five-minute guided meditation kind of going through the body and getting into the, the mind and the wisdom and the bliss. So um, I hope people check it out. And thank you so much for the conversation.
0: It's always so interesting to learn about some of these Eastern philosophies because I feel like growing up in a Westernized world, we just have so many different views and perspectives on things. And psychotherapy, therapy as a whole, is a very Westernized practice. But When you hear these different methodologies and things that have been around for thousands of years and have scientifically been proven to have positive effects on our overall well-being, not just our mental health, it really gives you other avenues to consider when you might be looking to do some of that healing work yourself. And so many of these Eastern ideologies are like quote-unquote woo-woo, and people think they're so different and not for them. But like we emphasized in the conversation, all of these things are so flexible and adaptable that you can make it work for you. And that's my favorite thing about yoga, like I said, is that you get to make your own decisions based on where your mind, body, and soul are at that day. You get to make the choice. And that sense of autonomy is just so huge in everything that we do, but especially in a healing space, I think it just makes the impacts that much greater. And I really hope that yoga therapy finds its way into insurance policies that people can actually start using this and not feel like it's inaccessible to them. Of course, insurance and different policies are not always accessible to people, but I think it is a step in the right direction and can start making this pathway feel like a real option that people can use. So thank you so much, Amy, for sharing all of your knowledge and wisdom with us. I learned so much, and I'm so excited to see this field continue to grow. And I'm definitely going to start applying some of these things to my own life. I love the five-layered approach. I think it is a really good representation of holistic healing and making sure that you're taking care of all parts of yourself. So thank you, the listener, for taking the time to listen to TRM today, and I hope you learned something new and are eager to go practice some yoga like I am. If you enjoyed this conversation today, please don't forget to leave a rating and a review on whatever platform you're listening on so we can continue growing together. I hope you have a fabulous rest of your day, and I'll be back with another episode next Friday.